Just a, a few of you may have heard before of the Methodist minister who stood up on his first Sunday and said to his congregation, I'm so pleased to be here, I believe the Lord Jesus has called me to be here. And a ripple of approval ran around the congregation, and there were even, most unusual for Methodists, a few amens, amens. Then after seven years, he stood up again. I've been much in prayer, he said, and I feel the Lord Jesus has called me to serve you for a few more years as your minister. And some seemed pleased and smiled. Others were just a little more restrained in their response to him. After 14 years, <laughs> he stood up again. My sisters and brothers, he said, this is a sad and momentous day for me and for this church. For I have to tell you that I believe the Lord Jesus has called me to move on to another church. There was a moment of quiet. Then suddenly the whole congregation broke into spontaneous singing, what a friend we have <laughs> in Jesus. Well, anyone I catch humming, what a friend we have in Jesus, <laughs> after this service will be crossed off my address list. <laughs> Although I have to say that as we were thinking about hymns for this service, my dear colleague here, Tony Miles, suggested that a good hymn might be, Oh Happy Day. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was for me because I was retiring or because you thought that when I was going. Another of my very best friends, perhaps rather unkindly, said to me, I do hope that you're not going to preach that sermon again called, I commend you to God. <laughs> now, I have to admit, I preached the same sermon when I left Bradford, when I left Halifax, when I left St. Albans, and when I left Berkhampstead. If you've got a good sermon, why waste it? <laughs> That's my thing. However, Today, I did think I might say something new because I knew that some of the folk from those places <laughs> might be here. So, I want to do what we always do here at Methodist Central Hall, Westminster, preach from the Scripture. And we've been working through the book of Acts since the 1st of September. And we shall finish the book of Acts on the last Sunday in August. And by a quite amazing coincidence, which I'm sure has got nothing at all to do with the fact that I sort out what readings we've got each week from the book of Acts. This Sunday, we've come to Acts chapter 20 and verses 13 to 38. How extraordinary. And because I'm always guided by the Scripture that we're reading, yet again I will be preaching on Paul's farewell, and yet again I've called it, I commend you, to God, but it will be different. So if you've got that passage in front of you, you want to follow it, you might find that helpful. Verses 13 to 17 are rather like a TripAdvisor sort of review, a travel diary. And some preachers would spend some time telling you all sorts of interesting things about these places, but I won't. 
So we move on, verses 18 onwards, we get to the meat of the passage. And first of all, Paul sets out his credentials. And here, as in other of Paul's letters, he seems to almost be boasting. We need to remember that the context he was writing in it is that he was constantly criticized and he was constantly having his ministry challenged by other people. And that's why Paul is always so keen to justify himself. He talks here in verse 19 about the heart he has for the work, realizing his own inadequacy and even shedding his tears. In verses 20 and 21, he focuses upon his preaching. Preaching which both encourages because it was helpful to them, but which also challenges all who heard to turn to faith in Jesus Christ. And then in verses 22 to 24, Paul looks forward. The Holy Spirit has warned him that there's prison and hardship on the way. And I wonder if deep in his soul, he wondered if this was to be his journey to martyrdom, which he knew was ahead of him. But his only concern is to finish well. Verse 24, if only I may finish the race. In my time here, I've certainly realized my own inadequacy in the enormous task of leading this great church. I have shed my tears sometimes. I've tried to be both helpful and challenging in my preaching. And as I look to the future, my one concern is that I may be faithful as I finish the race. And this picture of the race is a good one because in 10 days' time, Biddy and I retire to Presbury near Cheltenham. And we're right by the race course. We can walk down to the race course there. Tens of thousands of people come to the great races, particularly to the Cheltenham Gold Cup. And somebody's phone's going off. It's my wife's. <laughs> what can you do? I don't know. Where was I? I was talking about racing, wasn't I? <laughs> Horse racing. Uh, and of course, um, it's right by... I've lost my place now. <laughs> Tens of thousands of people come to watch this uh, Cheltenham Gold Cup. But I would say to you this morning, please don't think of me as a competitor in the race course with all of you cheering me on. Because that is not what the Christian faith is about. In the Christian faith, we are all of us in the race. The place that the minister takes is a prominent one. But it is in no way special, in no way unique. For what matters is not the task that we're called to or the role that we carry. What matters is that we are each one of us doing our very best in the Christian race. So I ask you this morning, are you walking with Jesus Christ day by day? Are you living in the love of God and working out that love in your daily relationships at work, 
in the family, in your home? Are you open to the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit? Do you have as your first aim in life that you might, as St. Paul says here, finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given you? I pray that you, each one of you, may finish the race. Paul then goes on, verses 25 onwards, to point out to them that he is going, so the task of leading the church, of caring for the flock, is theirs. Verse 28, keep watch over yourselves, be shepherds of the church of God. Verse 31, be on your guard, for there will be opposition. One man goes, but the work goes on. Just this week I went to uh, an antique shop. I'm thinning out my Wesley busts and plates. And I went to an antique shop up by the National um, Portrait Gallery. I know the dealer there. I showed him a particular jug with uh, a portrait of Wesley on it from 17, no, 1830, 100 and, what's that make it, 180 years old. And he picked it up, and as he picked it up, he caught it nicely on the corner of the counter, and it broke. Now, that was good for me, because he had to buy it. <laughs> Wasn't good for him, because he couldn't sell it. But one of the things that I showed him was a plate, and on it it said, God buries his workmen but carries on his work. And that's a great truth in that sentence. For although I'm going, the work here will go on. And it will go on because it's not dependent upon the team leader, it's dependent upon God. And upon God not using an individual, but the team and the people of God in this place. And in the ministerial team and the leadership team of lay folk here, you have two great teams to keep the work going. So what are you to be on your guard against? Not the silversmiths and magicians who were against Paul and the church at Ephesus. But I think you do need to be on your guard against thinking that the blessing on the work here was down to me and that it will cease when I leave. Martin Atkins is different to me, but he's a tremendous preacher. And more important than that, he is a humble man of God. So the thing to guard against is wishing that the old Martin Turner was here. God has led me away to new pastures. God has called Martin to be here. Love him and Helen. Listen to the new insights that he brings. And thank God that he's not like me. Because after a few years, that might be a bit much anyway. And then in verse 32, we read here, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I so often feel embarrassed here that I don't know all your names. That's not happened to me in any other church. But this congregation grows all the time. 
and not only grows but reflects the life of this wonderful international city as people come and go within London and come and go between continents. But if I'm a failure in knowing enough about you, let me assure you that God knows you. God cares for you like none other. And so I commit you to God with every confidence. We live in a society which often does not seem to care. There are so many people who feel that no one cares for them. But as I commit you to God, I know that he loves and he cares. He cares because he knows the yearnings of your lonely heart. He knows the grief which you thought you bore alone. He knows the fear of illness that sometimes sweeps over you. He knows that bewilderment and sense of powerlessness in the face of a city and a society which seems to march on impervious of the needs of the individual. He knows the guilt which weighs so heavily on some of your shoulders. He knows the longing of your heart for spiritual reality and love. He knows and he cares. And how can I be so sure of that? Because Jesus came here to walk this earth for love of you. Jesus stretched his arms wide on the cross for love of each one of you. And the risen Jesus released his Holy Spirit for love of you. And it's all because of God's grace. We don't earn it. We can't win it. We don't deserve it. But God gives us his grace in any case. All he asks in response is that we accept it. Accept it as a gift. And then show that grace to others. And then the passage ends. Verses 36 and 37. When he'd said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. Yes, this is a hard day for us. And I have to say that as I looked at this passage, the devil tempted me. I could have milked this passage nicely. I could have had packets of Kleenex tissues lined up here along the front. And you know, I sometimes give an appeal for people to come forward. I could have given an appeal and said, anyone who wants to come forward and have a good cry during the last hymn, you just come forward. There's tissues here for you. <laughs> but I resisted. Yes, it is a hard day. We've been blessed here, blessed by the love you've offered us and blessed by God. And I realize that for many of you, it's a hard day as well. Most of you have joined this church in the last 14 years. And I'm the only team leader you've known. I've baptized or married or buried your loved ones. I've shared a lot with some of you. I've seen some of you come to a living faith. Biddy and I have prayed with you for healing and blessing. Of course, you will miss us. But unlike Paul, we will see most of you again, although not for a year, as we leave Martin Atkins' room to breathe. So just as did Paul to the Ephesians, 
So I commit you and commend you to God, knowing that he will not fail you nor forsake you, knowing that his plans for you are good, as are his plans for us. God loves, God cares. Jesus died on the cross for you. The Holy Spirit can come to your heart and life and fill you with divine love. That has been my message this past 14 years. It's been a simple one. But its truth has changed this church. And its truth will change your life, if only you will let it. Thanks be to God for his word to us. Amen. Amen. We sing.